Adventures, and welcome back to another episode of the 1970. My name is Ed, and with me as always is Mark Damon. Mark, how are you doing today? Ed, I'm doing okay. It seems like PSG is the only sporting team that I can really root for these days that's going to give me something, so I'm glad to talk about them today. So let's just jump into it. We're going to start with that 2-1 win over Brest uh, with goals from, we had Icardi, Di Maria, getting on the score. She's usually assisting these days, but um, I mean, we, we felt like we were losing that game. It felt like we were getting outplayed. And I, I was around about the 70th minute mark. I think you said, you know, our breasts, breasts are going to win this, aren't they? And I said, they probably will. And then could we have a conversation about the coach? And luckily Mauro Icardi comes in and bails the team out. The new, you know what? You know, you know what though, like, but that's what that's what good players should do. That's the that's why you sign players like that because if you aren't playing well on any particular day, it's clear that in this league, PSG can be beaten by anybody. Like they just got beat by Dijon. Brest almost beat them. Like there isn't anything. There is no such thing as an easy league gun win anymore. They're gonna have to compete for these, and that's why having good players matters because they can get you out of these kind of matches where you're not playing well and you're not quite where you need to be physically and people are tired and they're waiting for breaks and all that. Yeah. So luckily Mauro Icardi got into that game. Um, but I, I just thought it's, it's another sort of sluggish league gun performance. And that has become sort of a hallmark of this team under Thomas Tuchel. Like, you'll get these kinds of games where it just looks like the team's a step slow, whether they're rotating heavily due to injury or due to a lot of games, or you get just the other team just plays harder. You know, those teams, especially on the road, you'll see this where these league on teams will, you know, this will be like their this is their Champions League final. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, like, Brest are coming in there already. They've been circling the game on the calendar. And they come out and they play as well in 90 minutes as they can play. And, as I said, PSG get bailed out by their talent. And you saw it on the first goal with Draxler and Di Maria with that link up, Di Maria yep. with the chip. And then that second goal was pretty much just Mauro Cardi. <laughs> It was kind of a better goal than it looks because Icardi had to see that ball through the traffic, one touch it off his right foot, settle it down, and then try to swipe it in with his left foot. It was not really an easy finish, and he just barely got it in. But yeah, I, I, you don't want to you don't want to just say a win's a win because there some wins are more equal than others, but. That, you know, they got through it, and now you get two weeks to get people healthy, which is hopefully what will happen. You saw Navas yeah. uh, be out for 10 days. That shouldn't be too big of a deal, I don't think. Seems like an Idrissa Gay kind of injury. Yeah, Verratti, too, picked up something. He's actually not going to be with Italy during the international break, so. Well, good. I'm glad. Yeah. Uh, you know what I think about international breaks. <laughs> They're so stupid. stupid. And, I'm, and, I'm, and I'm glad that he's able to rest up and get healthy. I don't think, again, he doesn't seem like he's, his injuries all that serious either, but still little nicks and bruises that come along through the year. And, you know, some of these injuries like the Neymar one end up being months long injuries. And then some of them are like two weeks. Some of them are three weeks. You just have to get through them. And 
I'm glad that most of PSG's key players are not on international duty. It yeah. kind of worries me that Killian's going over to play. I don't know why that shouldn't worry. I mean, France definitely needs him against like Moldova. You know, they need Killian Mbappe to beat them. So yeah, I'm glad and he's. And Andorra too. You know, those great. You know what Andorra is known for? Those great defenses that they just need Killian to be able to break those defenses down. Exactly. Those, those six, those six at the backs, they're gonna play. At the Andorra Sports Complex slash Casino or whatever the hell it is that they they're playing, it's like yeah, but yeah, that I think the the clear the clear thing that came out of that game was that you got to see the stark difference between having Edinson Cavani out there and having Mauro Icardi out there, and I want to make this point for the listeners that. Mm-hmm. It's you can respect and love what Edinson Cavani has done for this team. You can do that while also being blunt in your assessment of who that player is right now in his career. He's 32 years old. He's had three muscle injuries in the last 13 months. I think the kids say it was the term the kids use washed. (laughs) That's what he is right now. And all of the evidence points to him being washed. And for the older generation, I guess, would what would the term be for, for us older people? Uh, washed up. Washed up. Yeah, we don't we, we just we just took out the up part. Yeah. I guess that's what people say about this podcast. We're, we're washed. Yeah. But well, yeah. <laughs> well, everyone has an opinion. Um, Yeah. But. All the evidence is pointing in one direction. There is not one signal that you can point to that's pointing the other way that he's going to play himself out of this. And I'll be I'll be very uh, critical about what I'm seeing. He can't jump the way he used to. He can get up a couple of times, but he can't do it consistently. He doesn't make runs the way he used to. He's not as active a player as yeah. he used to be. He's not making runs yeah. off the shoulder. Di Maria actually scored a goal that that should have been Cavani making that run that Draxler passed to. Like that should have yeah. been Cavani's goal. Well, Cavani was trailing the play because again he's slower. He can't than keep he up. Was. Yeah, he's not. He doesn't have the speed. And there was a perfect opportunity. I think it was when they were. T- I don't know if it was when they were tied at one or before that, where the where he's on the left post, ball trickles to him. I think you remember what I'm talking about. He has a <laughs> wide open. He's got a great opportunity to score and he falls down. Yeah, slips. just slips for no apparent reason. Other the old than Steven just, Gerrard move, slip and falling, slip and fall. And the thing was, he used to slip and fall. Even when he was a great player. But the difference was you had a lot more of those moments where he could overcome his, let's say, lack of gracefulness with other attributes. Right now, he just he looks like he doesn't, you know, he just doesn't look like he has the athleticism anymore mm-hmm. at all. And you then bring on Mauro Icardi, and it's not like Mauro Icardi is doing all these different great things, but what Icardi is doing is he's getting to the spot, yep. which what a striker has to do. He has to get to the spot. So on that, on that, um, on that goal, you get a pass from Draxler to Shupo Moting, and Icardi is just running for that post, and he knows where to be. So when Moting puts that cross in he's able to basically collect the scraps if anything went wrong. And that's what happened. It got through and he was in the right place at the right time. And he was able to not only gather the ball, 
he was able to settle it with a touch and then put it through. Like, that's what Cavani used to do. Mm-hmm. And I think we're, I think, and I think the French media specifically wants this to be this sort of uh, contest that they can cover. They yes, they they very much asked Tuchel at a lot of the press conferences. Is there a hierarchy? You know, they ask about Cavani. They want there to be almost like in America where you have like a quarterback controversy. They they want it to be a striker controversy in Paris. Yeah, and I get that. It's fun to cover. It's fun to cover that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And you want to you want to you know compare the two. But if we're being honest, if we're taking our emotions out of it. One of these players is clearly better than the other one. Is five to six years younger, faster, stronger, basically a version of what Edinson Cavani used to be. Am, am I allowed to be slightly controversial on this podcast? Yeah, I guess. When you look at the career of Edinson Cavani, I believe he joined in, what, 2012, 13, yeah. something like that. What what I mean he's the all-time leading scorer but what major trophy or major European accomplishment has PSG reached with him scoring all of these goals it's this isn't a guy that has led us to the semifinals he he scored a lot of goals against Dijon and Ajaccio you know like he's he's a good scorer he he loves yeah. the club but like why are we so afraid to like say this guy's washed and sell him in January well, let, let's be fair about a couple of things. Okay. One, he has had big moments and big goals for this team. He has, but, but not enough. Had those, he's had those moments. Maybe not as many as Ronaldo or Messi or even Zlatan, but mm-hmm. that's not the kind of player he is. He's not an all-time great. And it's okay to say he's not an all-time great, but here's the thing. It's a mental thing. It's... He is the kind of player that the fans wish they were in the sense that, like, they can't be Messi. They can't be Ronaldo. They could be Edinson Cavani. Like, they could play with that sort of heart and hustle and spirit in their own heads. Right. And the fact that he shows a passion on the field, you know, bear in mind that the guy did over the years get in, have trouble with the PSG management before i think he was fined once for showing up late for the uh return i think it was like 2014 or something where he just didn't show up on time for after the winter break and they find him but it was, it was rabio too i think yeah well rabio did all that stuff. But for, the, for the most part edinson's been a good citizen he's mm-hmm. been the antithesis of a neymar and his latan where you know they're playing somewhat for themselves somewhat for the team you don't know their commitment quite, but mm-hmm. Edinson, he plays for the club, and I get that, and I appreciate that, but this is about winning Champions League. Yes. That's what this is about, and if that's what this is about, it's not about winning league gun and, and getting to the quarterfinal or the round of 16, Mario Riccardi has the ability to take you there, maybe. He definitely has the ability more than Cavani, so I, I think I just wanted to make that point where it's like, this isn't a debate. Any debate we're having is a sentimental one. It's a, we wish Edinson Cavani was the player he was two, three years ago, but he's not that player. So let's stop pretending like he is. 
Yeah, you don't want to be like the Lakers with like Kobe Bryant on his last leg, just throwing him out there. You know, hey, just go jack up 40 shots a night. Like we we have real goals this season. We can't just send Cavani out there like, hey, just go out there, and just you know, shoot you know into the stands 20 times a night or something. Like he is nowhere near on the level of Mario Cardi. Cardi is the new El Matador. Uh, I, I, Cavani's closer to Chupamoting than he is to Cardi. Well, can I, I mean, tell you something? Can I tell you something else? And yes. I know I'll, I'll I'll steal the controversy from you. Okay, go for it. Chupamoting on the wing is at this moment more valuable like coming off the bench as a wing player than having Edinson Cavani try to get himself through 70 minutes of a game. It was just hard to watch. Like yeah. really, like he was falling down, the passes weren't right. He can't link up play, he can't really run and defend anymore. Like like when whenever he was having a bad game, he at least would be able to like track back and defend. Like he's not giving you that anymore. No. So it's like it just you know, and, and people are gonna say, Oh, he's still coming back from injury. Give him time, give him time. Well, how much time how does much, he need? Yeah, how much time can you give him? Like the injury happens. Especially when no. one guy is yeah. when one guy has scored eight goals in nine appearances. <laughs> like you can't say, Oh, he needs time. Like that just that stuff to me just doesn't like that doesn't work because this is a results based business yeah. and Mario Cardi has done nothing but produce. If Acardi starts going into a slump and it's an urgent time and maybe Edinson will get his shot again towards the end of the year, maybe. But right now, it's not a debate. Not at all. It makes you wonder if there's anyone in the ranks that they could bring up to play in that forward role just to get some minutes, a youngster. But I want to go back real quick to a point you were talking about, just league on and how PSG, they've already lost three times and 13 games played. And... You know, if some of these other teams had the salary or the the wages that they could pay in the Premier League, no one would look down on this league at all. The quality that you're seeing some of these mid to upper table teams in league are, are extremely good. I think that they could play with, you know, a Brighton or a, a West Ham in the Premier League or something like that. The only reason people look down is because they just don't have the money to pay the salaries that those teams do. This is a very competitive league outside of, you know, PSG, who's kind of set themselves apart. But, you know, it's. It's very competitive, and if they just had the notoriety, the marketing, and the budgets, people would really rate the Liga um, teams. I mean, yeah, what are your and, thoughts on that? Well, it, it, it they're they're not pretty teams to watch. Yeah. that's you know they're not the thing about the Premier League, and especially the thing about La Liga is that those teams play very open, even when they're not very good. So like. Manchester City is able to score five goals a game against these teams because they play so open. Mm. If Manchester City played in the in League One, they would still win ninety five percent of their games. Let, let's not make a mistake about that. They'd win mm. about the same rate, if not a little more, than what PSG win. But they wouldn't be winning five six nil because, for the most part, League One teams play defense they and, and are very not, physical it's not even that parking the bus because breast did not park the bus against no. PSG. they just played a different sort of physical style like what they, they just bog up that midfield and league on teams really muck up the midfield and it's really hard for a team like psg to get rhythm against these teams because they just are so good at doing that skill and they've almost it really is. They've almost, and you've seen this coming for the last couple of years, they've gone away from the 
sit in the box and let PSG attack them to try to trap them in midfield. Don't press them necessarily, but let them get into the midfield, cross the halfway line, and then really put physical pressure on them. Like put bodies on them, foul them, try to get away with as much physicality as you can without the refs making calls. Which is quite a bit. Yes, and the French referees allow it. Like I've said this before, the French referees, and I think this is not conspiracy theory, I think this is a fact, and it's a provable fact if you watch the games, any of these games, is that they will give the inferior team, the inferior technical team, an advantage by allowing them to play more physically. They just do that. If they called the, if Lee Gun called the game, if the Lee Gun officials called the match like they call it in La Liga, PSG would win every game by five goals, and most of the teams they face would be down to ten men by halftime. It's just how it works. It's a different yeah. league. It's a different style. So, again, Lee Gun is not a pretty league to watch. It never has been. You're not going to get great back-and-forth games for the most part. But PSG are getting challenged physically. Maybe not technically, but they're getting challenged physically in that league every single match. And it's what leads to the injuries, too. It's one of the factors that leads to the injuries. And it's why when Neymar, in, I think last year, was getting fouled a lot, PSG wrote a letter to Lee Gunn saying, hey, you know, can we call these games a little bit tighter? Neymar is getting hacked here. And again, it's a different league. So it's like PSG are going to get challenged. You're not going to enjoy the football that much if you're just like a neutral watching it. But... PSG are getting, you know, they're getting challenged. Absolutely. It makes you want, I thought of a new feature I want to have on the site where we just have someone watch a, you know, who's a Premier League fan, watch League on, give their honest opinion. I, I think it's, like you said, it's not pretty, but it's a lot tougher than people will say. And I think it was Abdul Diallo who talked about League on, the Bundesliga, and how it's just it's it's even more competitive or it's more difficult and physical. So players who have come from other leagues come into League One. Yeah, I think we should take their perspective it's more than. Prim- yeah, League One is what the Premier League used to be in the eighties. Like right. You, you know, the eighties or the early nineties, where it just was a different kind of game, and League One still officially it's like that in a weird way. Yeah, you watch a Premier League game and you see just acres of space and Raheem Sterling is just sprinting into this you know wide open space and you Mbappe doesn't get that. Yeah. Maybe sometimes with it, maybe late in the second half. He just doesn't get that. Um, let's keep it moving. I want to talk a little bit about Neymar and his load management. So if all goes well, he, he's not traveling with Brazil for the international break. So thank God for that. But it looks like he could um, return November 22nd against Lille. We don't know if he'll start. We don't know the extent of how many minutes he'll play or anything like that. But that looks like the target date. I wrote a piece about load management. I'll just kind of talk about it because I know you disagree with that. And I think get him a couple minutes against Lille. Maybe start him against Real Madrid. But then after that, Galatasaray, shut it down. Any away league on match, shut it down. Like, you, you got to go full Kawhi Leonard with this. Like, no back-to-back games. Anytime it's on the road against, like, some big rugby-looking guys, shut it down. If the pitch looks like crap, shut it down. Like, you need to keep this guy protected. He's world-class. He doesn't he, – he knows how to play football. He knows how to, to get a pass. He knows how to score goals. 
this, we cannot afford. I mean, if he gets injured, that affects his transfer status in the summertime. It affects PSG's ability to advance in the Champions League. I think you have to go full Kawhi Leonard, uh, load management with Neymar when he does return. What do you think about that? Are we this afraid of the fact that Neymar is apparently injury prone? Very much so. Are, are we just? Is, are we? Are we surrendering to the fact that this guy is going to get injured all the yes. time? Hundred percent. We have to try to. We have to try to stack the deck so that he doesn't get injured at certain times, and maybe he, you know, maybe if we don't play him as much, he won't have these sort of injuries. Like, yes, I don't I, know. I, again, I don't know about. I don't think his injuries are wear and tear related in the certain stuff. I don't think they're. I don't think they're like he's playing too much. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's the cause of them. And I'm not a doctor, and I don't play one on TV. But you did I say at Holiday Inn last night. Yes, I think the issue. I think the issue here is he plays in a style that is going to get him hurt because he play. And this is just how he plays. Look at the difference between the way Lionel Messi plays, or the way that Lionel Messi is built structurally, versus the way Neymar is built structurally. Neymar is not six feet two, but he plays tall. And when you play tall and you play on the tips of your feet, which is what he does, he's not a grinder. He doesn't get low like Messi does, and Messi's low to the ground, or Eden Hazard, who's low to the ground. Neymar's a just built in a way that gives him those weak ankles. It just, it just, it's way he was built. And I don't know if there's any amount of load management that's going to structurally change Neymar's bone density and capacity to handle weight and to handle challenges. Like, I just, I don't see that changing. The muscle injuries are different. The muscle stuff is... I think you can manage that a little bit and you manage that by not playing him, obviously. And I think there is a certain level of intelligence you have to use. Like if Neymar plays a match on a Sunday night, he probably shouldn't be playing Wednesday afternoon in a cup match. Right. Like that's just, I think, common sense stuff. And I think Tuchel gets that. I I would hope he gets that. But it's like if you're playing a Saturday game and then the next game you play is like if you're playing Saturday against like Nice and then Wednesday against Real Madrid or whatever, Neymar should be able to play both of those games. Maybe you take him out after 70 minutes or so, but that's not why you paid him all this money. Like there also is that factor, too, where it's like, you know, it's the same thing that the NBA is running into where it's like, hey, you know, we paid. (laughs) <laughs> we paid $500 million for these games and you're sitting all the best players because of what again, load management. How many games did Larry Bird sit because of load management? <laughs> How many games did Michael Jordan sit because of load management? It's like, you're, you're going to run into that and it's, it's not going to be PSG are not going to be looked at kindly by mm-hmm sponsors and 
League on and the people that have the League on TV rights. They so already not, aren't looked upon in a, a great light, though. Yeah, I mean, but this would be worse than that. This would be like, okay, now you're just like, now you're just saying the League doesn't matter at all, and all we're going to do is play them in Champions League matches and big League on matches or whatever we determine is a big League on match. So I just, I think we have to just understand that there is going to be this risk and that you can do certain things to uh, limit or try to mitigate the risk. Mm -hmm. But in the end, it's a sport. He's running. He's getting tackled. He's going to go to the ground. He's going to get fouled. Like, it is what it is. And I think even with the two injuries he had, Barcelona were willing to go take him. I think unless he breaks his leg, if it's another minor injury, any team will just sort of be able to will justify signing him based off of what he can do. And, getting, getting a little rustling on your end. Yeah, I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> where am I getting? Uh, all right, let me just hold it. All right, so yeah, it, I just don't, I don't see this being. Uh, I don't think it's viable to just like create a plan mm -hmm. that keeps him playing like what three games a month, which is what it would end up being something like that. Like I just don't see that happening. Neymar's not wired that way. Soccer is not wired that way as a sport. I mean, maybe, maybe in another, in another time, maybe in like 10 years, this is something that'll seep into the world of, of, European football, but I just don't think we're there yet. Well, I think a couple things. Let's just, for those who don't know, Kawhi Leonard is a basketball player in the NBA here in America, and he played with the Toronto Raptors, and they did load management. They said, you're going to play a certain amount of games, and when the playoffs came, he was more rested than other players, and he steamrolled through the playoffs, and they won the championship, the Raptors first. PSG is an innovative team, and Tuchel has gone on record saying these guys were killing them. I think he's actually said that, we, like, quote, we are killing them with the amount of games that these guys are being asked to play. And so if you can't get out of him participating with Brazil and playing all these nonsense games, then I think maybe Tuchel says, if they won't do it, then I will do it. And that game against Nantes away, he doesn't need to play. Like, PSG is under no obligation to play Neymar in these away games where those fans have purchased tickets to see Neymar. PSG's not seeing any of that, that revenue from ticket sales. They don't, why do they care? They, they shouldn't. What, what matters to them and what they're ultimately judged on is Champions League wins. And Neymar needs to be healthy at least. If he gets injured in the Champions League knockout phase, fine. That's just the way it is. I think Neymar is a ticking time bomb of in terms of when he picks up his next energy injury. You already mentioned he plays high. Something is going to happen. It's not if, it's when. And that's why I say this is a pivotal year where we could lose him in the summer. We likely will. Let's get at least a game out of him in the knockout phase. Let's not lose him against whatever league on team in December. It doesn't mean anything. Yeah. Well, uh, and positive news on that, they're probably not going to Qatar this year, which I think that's good. Yeah, really hurt last year because I just feel like they it threw off everyone's rhythm. You go from hot climate to cold climate. You go from cold climate to heat to cold. You don't want to do that to muscles. Like muscles are tricky like that. You need that. You need and you have to. You want to keep these players in as comfortable a rhythm as possible. So I'm glad they're not doing that. I think what you want to do is you want to keep him 
you know, you can do the every other game, but I, I still think eventually he, he it's Neymar. He's going to want to play. Yeah. And also it is you you don't pay a guy 40 million euros to play half the games. And that's basically what PSG have been doing involuntarily. <laughs> yeah, they've already been doing it, so why not? That voluntarily. <laughs> it, we'll see. It, it'll be interesting. PSG's an innovative team. Tuchel's innovative manager. He knows that his job ultimately depends on Champions League. It'll be interesting. Maybe maybe Cavani plays on that wing. Maybe Chupa Moting and a rest Neymar. Um, we'll leave that topic um, for now. We'll keep it moving. I want to talk about Leonardo. So these comments came, what was this, after the win against Brest, was it? Or was it Dijon? I can't recall. Um, uh, it was after the Bruges match. So Leonardo was talking, and he was asked about Zidane, who had, ahead of his Champions League game with Real Madrid, had said something along the lines of, he was asked about Mbappe, and he's like, oh, he's a great player, blah, blah, blah. And then he said, I know that he dreams of playing for Real Madrid. And I had said, you know, hey, guy, why don't you, like, worry about your own team and stop talking about players who aren't yours, like a true professional would. And, of course, I'm just a blogger. Um, according to Bleacher Report, I'm just a blogger. So, you know, Leonardo has a much bigger megaphone than I do. And he came out and basically said the same thing. It was like, Zidane, worry about your own players. Stop worrying about what Mbappe dreams about. Like, this is none of concern of yours. Stop tapping him up. Stop, stop trying to, you know, turn his head and all of that. And then a couple days later, Zidane was like, basically fired back and said, I can say whatever, whatever I want. I'm only repeating what Mbappe had said, which I don't think he's actually ever said that. But we'll leave that as it is. But he was like, I'm going to say it. I can say it every day if I want to. So there is definitely a clash between Leonardo, Zidane, PSG, Real Madrid. Oh, and the two play each other on November 26th. So, Uh, yeah, I think you just kind of answered your own question there. I think that was kind of the whole this is this is classic um, Spanish destabilization tactics before a big match. This stuff happens all the time. And it's like it's clear what he's doing. Like he's trying to he's trying to stir that pot right at the um right at the moment where it would best benefit him to stir that pot. And you could tell, you know, Bruges was not one of Kylian Mbappe's best matches. Yeah. And I think Leonardo was trying to sort of I think he saw that, and I don't think the two are necessarily related to each other. But I think Leonardo wanted to just make that point really clear that these are not related things. Killian isn't going anywhere. You know, at least he doesn't think he's going anywhere. Um, Let's, you know, let's stop with the nonsense. Let, you know, there may be a day someday where Real Madrid get to have Killian Mbappe, but Killian's what, 20, still 20, 21 years old? 20 years old. He's got a lot of career. He's got 10 more years in his prime. It's, you know, it ain't, (laughs) nobody's, nobody's rushing. I don't think PSG's rushing to get rid of him. He's under contract until 2022. Uh, There's been a whole bunch of rumors, nonsense, mostly with Liverpool supposedly being interested and and Klopp came out and basically said. No, everyone's would be interested. He's one of the best. Yeah, that's what he, that's what he said. Like, of course, on the sporting side, we'd love to have him, but he's like, we can't afford him. Like he is ridiculously expensive. He's his wages demand would be, we can't afford that. And you know what? Real Madrid can't really, really afford him either. No, they cannot. 
PSG can't really legally afford him unless they sell a bunch of players too. That was another story that came out. They want to pay uh, Mbappe the same as Neymar. I don't know how all of this works, but Neymar. No, it doesn't. Uh, has, it doesn't. It doesn't work. Neymar would have to be sold. That's well, he, he has a clause where he doesn't have to pay like thirty percent of his salary doesn't have to go to taxes, so he makes more. But Mbappe, I guess because he's French, wouldn't be able to have that. So there's no way that PSG could pay him the same salary as Neymar. So yeah, I just declare. Oh no, up. they'd pay him close to that. They could pay him thirty. They could pay him if they got rid of Neymar. They could pay him like fifty if they wanted to. They could, yeah. And and don't forget, Cavani is one of the top earners. Thiago Silva is a top earner. All of those are likely going to come off the books uh, next summer. So they'll have some money to play with to pay him. But I don't know if they could have Neymar on his current wages, and he's may want an extension. And then also Mbappe pay him more. Well, no, I don't think the they whole, could do the that. Whole, the whole plan was to have Neymar for four or five years while you're building Kylian Mbappe below him so that when you sell Neymar, Kylian Mbappe can take the team over. Mm-hmm. Now, if that happens in three years, which it seems like is the likeliest outcome, that's about at the average of what you would have expected, maybe a year or two less than you would have wanted. But like that would if that's the decision, it's not a no brain it's a no brainer, really. Like PSG are going to sell Neymar and sign Mbappe to an extension. If that's what the, you know, if that's the option available, they're going to take it. Because you could they give Mbappe like a percentage of the club? Would that be a way to get out of the salary restrictions? Like give him like five percent. I don't think you'd even have to worry about that. I get think the, the John Gruden uh, situation with the Raiders. You know, give him a percentage well, of the club. Let's put it this way: anyone that ever goes to Spain is at some point convicted of tax fraud. <laughs> So yeah. you always say, hey, look, the French aren't going to convict you of tax fraud. Yeah. You know the Spanish will. They even did it to Lionel Messi, like their, oh, yeah. their icon player. You know, they did it to Ronaldo. They did it to Jose Mourinho. If you go to Spain and you make money, they're going to convict you of tax fraud. That's how Spain works. Couldn't Mbappe <laughs> just open up like a checking account in Qatar and just have his money go in there? And, I mean, yeah, but... There? Then, then you're, then you're, you know, that's like a Cayman Islands bank account. Like and people just, do it every day. <laughs> it, I don't even think it's that big a deal. I don't think it's that PSG will be able to pay him. Yeah. I have no issue with that. They'll be able to pay him. Yeah. They'll have to sell guys, but they'll be able to pay him. It all comes down, from what I could tell, it comes down to winning. I mean, he wants to be paid, and he is being paid well. But they've they've got to win. That's why I'm like, you've got to protect Neymar. He's got to. We got to reach the semifinals. If we want to keep Mbappe, that's where we got to go. We get knocked out quarterfinals. I mean, if a team can afford him, I think he's going to try to push for a move. But that's the thing. I don't know. He Mbappe will be the most expensive transfer when it happens. He will break the Neymar record. But who at this point can afford him is the question. I don't think anyone. Maybe leave. On another note, this is why Real Madrid are bad for the game. More yeah. than PSG and Man City. Real Madrid are the like Real Madrid and to a degree Barcelona are so bad if you're talking about parity, which is essentially Real Madrid and Barcelona have created this sort of it's this pyramid where all of the best players get funneled to the top three four teams. Yeah. And PSG are now one of those teams. And the question is, are they a, a level below that or are they a level of, are they at that same level? And I think the next couple of years will give you the answer to that question. But 
Yeah, if you're a if you're like Bayern Munich or Juventus, you absolutely want PSG to keep a guy like Kylian Mbappe. If you can't have him, the last thing you want is for Spain to just have this monopoly on great players where it's like your you know your career aspiration is to end up in Spain. You don't want that. No. You want to have some level of parity in this thing. And if they get Mbappe and then Barcelona gets Neymar and then it's like all the great players are in one league. Like and, nobody wants that. I, I don't think yeah. they want that. So to me, it's like it's in everyone's best interest for Killian to stay for a decent amount of time in PSG, whether it happens or not. But and then all everyone in America would have to get B in sports to be able to watch them, and nobody wants to do that. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, there was that, I forget the guy's name, but he's the vice president at Monaco when Mbappe was there. And he talked about how, you know, they could have sold him to Real Madrid, but Mbappe was like, no, I want to stay in France. I don't want to leave like that. I want to grow. So he clearly has some attachment to Paris, to France, to Ligue 1, and he wants to be here. But he also cares very much about his legacy. It's not so much about money. PSG need to prove to him that they can advance far in the Champions League. And if they do that, I think you're right. He'll stay here for the foreseeable future. I think he won't have a problem signing that extension. So we'll see. But let's uh, let's take a quick break. Let's take a sip of water. And then we get to our main event. We're going to be talking about the manager, Thomas Tuchel. We're back. Mark, are you ready for the main event? We're going to be talking about Thomas Tuchel and his evaluation at this point. So I wrote an article where not too long ago I talked about why losing so early in the season might actually be a good thing. Um, we had lo- we've lost three games out of 13 in Liga. Um, at, the, at the time when I had written the article, it said that Tuchel had played or had managed 71 games. It's obviously more now since I've written the article, but basically it said that he had a win percentage that was a little bit more than Laurent Blanc, but actually lower than uh, Unai Emery, who's on the verge or close to being fired at Arsenal. And so he has 53 wins, seven draws and 11 losses in, in uh, in all competitions. So I think it's fair after that many games that we can evaluate his time at PSG. Obviously, we had that failure in Manchester in the Champions League, um, right on par with the previous managers who didn't get us very far. Um, tactically, I feel like he's okay. I think he's good. I think the team is believing in him. His substitutions, I think, are kind of suspect. But all in all, in my opinion, I think he's done an okay job with the team. I think the team respects him. I think he's managing the personalities well. He just needs those results in the Champions League, which I think will come this year. But that's where, in my opinion, that he is lacking. But I know you think differently, so why don't you go ahead and take it from there? I don't. I th- this is where I don't like Twitter because it's hard to explain these things in like whatever the character limit is. And you know, to be honest, there are people that have very poor reading comprehension. Or they don't speak English as a first language, so maybe they're learning English and they don't quite get the context of what I'm saying. Is so Unai maybe, tweeting you? Because I know he doesn't speak English that well. What? Unai Emery, I was making a joke. There's a, no, Unai yeah, Emery doesn't yeah. speak English very well. No, but there's people, yeah, good evening. Um, yeah, but it, it's still, it's like, 
there are people that just do not understand what I'm saying. And I can explain it 9,000 times and they still don't. Mm-hmm. So here's the thing. I am not of the opinion that Tomas Tuchel should be fired or that he should even be really close to being fired. That's not the issue here. It's not an issue of do I think he should be the coach or not because he, I don't think, has had the adequate time. Mm. And the way his teams have performed over the year and a half, he has the opportunity to get to the end of the year to sort of figure out, you know, where he is. PSG are not going to be out of the top four in 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 Liga, and they're not going to be in the Europa League. They're not going to be, um, you know, they're not in, they're not really in trouble of losing the league. So there's no reason to fire him like now. Like, why would you do that? There's no, there's no reason at all where you would say this guy should be let go of for any real reason. But. I see warning signs here that I don't think we should just sweep away as, oh, it was one game or, oh, the players weren't up for that game or whatever. I think there is ample warning that this could go south Mm -hmm. with him. My evidence is that Well, my evidence starts with last year. You lose that game to Manchester United. A game that I don't care what the circumstances were. You should not have lost that game. There was no excuse for that. You know, there was nobody that, you know, Neymar was hurt, but who cares? You were playing Mason Greenwood and (laughs) just random Manchester United, like, yeah, they sounded like members of parliament, like Mason Greenwood. Like, he sounds like someone that would be in English no, politics. No, it was ridiculous. They were playing a team that had no intention of winning the match. And they literally fumbled and stumbled yeah. their way. Andrew Herrera admitted as much. He said, we went into that game thinking, like, we're going to get killed. No one in that locker room expected to win at all. And PSG just fumbled the bag. Yeah. Just, just, and you know what? That's coaching. And, that and Tuchel, a- Tuchel admitted, he's like, oh, the team, you know, they were trying really hard. If you notice it, do something. Like, get a board game out. Play, like, apples to apples or something. Like, loosen these guys up. If you see it, don't let them the keep doing it. The pressure of the Champions League is so much on these players. It really is. And it's like, that game should have been, it, if anything, PSG tried too hard in that game. Mm-hmm. They went forward too much. And they allowed Manchester United to counter them. Like if PSG had just said, "Hey, we're just going to play a nice, easy game. We're not, we're not." Especially after the first goal, and especially after the fucking second one, it's like, "Look, we can slow this game down. We can use our superiority in the midfield to try to control the ball, and we can get out of that with a two-two draw." And find a way to, to, and that would have gotten you through. So strike one for Thomas Tuchel there. Like that can't happen. No. And then for the team to essentially collapse at the end of the year with all the injuries. Yes, there were injuries, but they did get people back. They got Neymar back and the team just collapsed. Like 
losing to Lille five one. Mm. Like I don't care how good they were. Like to to capitulate in that way in that second half, that's not acceptable. Losing to Reem in the uh, Coupe de France final can I mean that's yeah, a Ren, trophy. Ren, but yeah. Or Ren, sorry, yeah. I mean you got to win that. You have to win that game. Yeah, you do. And you can't let it get to overtime, and you can't blow a 2-0 lead, which is what they had. So all these, you know, all of that, it kind of gets washed away at the end of the year. PSG win the league, whatever. They give them a year a year extension. And for the most part, this year has been fine. Like, in the, in the Champions League, they've been pretty good. Yeah, solid. They've been solid. They've done exactly what they've needed to do. There've been some bumpy situations, but it hasn't been bad. And you have three league gun losses. And you know what? I'm not even really killing him for those, but there are warning signs that what happened at the end of last year could still happen to this team this year. And that's the concern. And you see that when conditions aren't perfect, they struggle. When he doesn't have exactly the lineup he wants, he'll go to these sort of, let's call them experimental lineups. Yeah. And this is different from Unai Emery, who wouldn't really do that. He would just plug guys in, for the most part, in natural roles. There were times where he would switch guys out. And with Laurent Blanc, the one time he really went to an experimental lineup, he blew a Champions League yeah. quarterfinal. And then, you know, Ancelotti was Ancelotti, and you really can't say much against him. I mean, the guy was a win the guy's been a winner his whole career. You know, when you when you've won all those Champions Leagues, you have the right to do some certain things and get ha- and get some leeway, I think. Yeah. But with Blanc- with Tuchel, it's like Okay, so perfect example is that Dijon game. You don't have Marco Verratti and you don't have Thiago Silva. You still have millions of dollars worth of talent on the field, and you can't get a result out of that game. That's troubling. You it can't, troubling. yeah, you can't lose with Mbappe, Icardi, and Di Maria leading your line against it's, Dijon, the last place in the league. On it can't happen. You know what? I don't care. And you know what? Sorry, Carl, but I don't care about expected goals and oh that was flukish you know but it's it's not about that it's a results oriented business it always has been always will be stats can help you but they can't you know they can't mend the you know if you lose a big game it's like well we should have won it if the the stats said we should have won that game well did we no we lost that's what matters it matters the ball that goes into the back of the net how many times you do that and the goal is to do that more than the other team so you got all that talent up front and you can't put a team or a tactics package together to mitigate your deficiencies and to win a game like that. Or the game against Stade Rene, uh, uh, where you let a 16-year-old mm. who I don't even think he can drink in France. I'm not sure, though. I don't know what that law is, but he can barely drink in France. He can barely smoke. I don't even think he's in the FIFA game. Like, he's so young, he's not even FIFA. I, he, look. You let him dominate your midfield for 90 minutes, and you do nothing to stop him. Get physical no, with him. Somebody. Nothing to stop him. So, I think there are signs. 
And then I have to be fair. There are signs the other way. The 3-0 against Real Madrid was brilliant. That I was a trash Real Madrid team. I mean, well, no, no, let's not get carried away here. They were there's quality on that field. They had a lot of injuries, probably just as many as us. It's not going to be the same. This they're going to have about the same team they had last. They're going to have about the same team with a couple added pieces. Mm-hmm. And yeah, are Real Madrid going to play better at home? Absolutely. Like that's not surprising. But still, like he did a good job to get that team to to get a three 0 result. Um, the game against Marseille, they were brilliant. Against Lyon, they had a good enough strategy where they were really winning that game, and they probably should have won it by more. So, for isolated big games, PSG have been able to really do a great job of getting those, and Tomas Tuchel has done a great job of getting those players ready and getting good game plans in place. But they are struggling in league on in ways that they probably shouldn't let's look back at it let's really look at the way this this season has gone the three losses against the three losses they have and then the three games where neymar had to single-handedly take had to single-handedly win the game yes that's the point that i wanted to touch on is that if he doesn't score those game-winning goals in those three matches that's nine points psg are only leading marseille by eight right now i mean this could be a neck and neck title race right now if not for Neymar just scoring those three game-winning goals when you look at the big picture Tuchel has not been great in domestic play and maybe he doesn't care and it clearly if you look at the results from the Champions League to Ligue 1 it's kind of clear that he is completely focused on Champions League and could give a shit less about Ligue 1 pretty much you just look at the results and the way they play and you can tell well he cares about certain Ligue 1 matches but then he's realized that like you know, may, he can get away with maybe yeah. not playing his best guys against Reim or mm-hmm. whatever. He's and not playing. He's not playing Ander Herrera at right back against Real Madrid on the 26th. He's just not going to do that. He's done that earlier this season against I forget which team, but he's done that. I think Dagba and Munier were injured, so. Yeah, it's just, but you see it. It's like you take. Let's say those three games are ties, which is what they would have been if Neymar didn't score. So we're taking away six points. So now PSG are at they're, they're 30 24. now. They'd be at 24. Marseille at 22. It'd be a two-point lead. A, it'd be a two-point lead. And then I'm sure there are other games where they weren't great either. But that's six out of 13 games that you only either that you either won by one goal or lost. Mm-hmm. So. They are not playing well in League Gun this year. I think you said it. It's pretty clear. Now, does it matter so much if they win it in the end? Not not really. It, does, it ends up not mattering as much. But it does ask questions. I think this is not a case of this is a great manager who's working his way through things. As much as this is, here is a guy that could be a good manager. But we don't know which direction it's going to go yet. I think he has the potential to be a three to four, you know, a four or five year PSG manager where he gets them close in the Champions League, maybe wins it, keeps their domestic success and PSG get what they want out of him. Or he could flame out. And that's kind of his personality, if you think about it. I mean, the pressure is on him. He's got a pretty cushy job. He's paid well. He lives in Paris. He's got Neymar, Mbappe, Icardi, Verratti. He's never 
in the rest of his career, because he's not going to Real Madrid or Barcelona, he is never going to have a team that is more talented as this one. He's probably not going to make any more money, and he's never going to be in a league that he can easily dominate. This is a coaching dream right now, and he knows that if he does not get past the quarterfinal, he's gone. There's no question about it. And so you just look at the results and the way that they play. He's clearly focusing on the Champions League. And I'm okay with that. If you can just use your sheer talent of your players to get draws and wins and kind of limp your way to a, a league on title, great. As long as he produces in the Champions League, I'm okay with that. But we have to wait and see. We have and to I, wait and, and see. And, yeah, and I'll make this point. I'm not a tactics wizard here. But it's clear that there are, are a few holes with mm-hmm. the way he plays with this team. And one of them is they are not good at the counter press. Like and Emery's teams were not good at it either, but when they lose the ball, it's two, three passes and the other team has a counter. Yeah. There's no sort of ability to lose the ball and to then position yourself in a way to take away the next two, three passes. And a lot of times they overpress, they throw two bodies at one guy in the wrong spot, they are unbalanced defensively at times, they leave sides of the field wide open against teams. A perfect example was that goal that they gave up against uh, against uh, Brest, mm-hmm. where it's like they just they were completely imbalanced and they just let um, the Brest player. I think he's actually who's that guy that scored that goal. Uh, I gotta pull it up here. Just keep talking for a second. I'll find it's it. actually a league on journey, man. I think he played. Was it was it Grancier or Samuel Grancier? Yes. And yes. they just left him wide open down the wing. No one picked him up. And it's like th- those kind of goals are worrisome because they're too easy. Yeah. And PSG, when they're at their best, honestly, are a defensive team. Like. Thomas Tuchel, one of the things he's done really well is when this team plays in the Champions League, for the most part, they are defensively solid. They don't give up a lot of opportunities. They don't give up a lot of shots. They haven't let in a goal all Champions League. Even in the Manchester United second leg, they only gave up like three, four shots. They just all happened to go in. (laughs) But it's like, like, that's... that's when his teams are good when he is able to create a defensive plan to stifle the opponent and then let his front you know front talent like take over that's how PSG have to be built I think Unai Emery realized that but he just has no clue how to coach defense Mm -hmm. but Tomas Tuchel clearly knows how to coach defense he clearly knows how to get those guys organized into spots and he definitely understands that he needs to be, you know, with Thiago Silva and not against him. And I think that what you'll see, I think, in the next couple months is what's the plan headed into the Champions League matches? And you see the coach, he'll start preparing for it. And you'll see, OK, here are the things he's setting up that he's going to use down the line. Mm-hmm. And I think that my hope is that he doesn't overcomplicate it. We don't make this into a bigger deal than it is. It's a football match. Play it like a football match. Play to your opponent. Play to play to your strengths and try to hide your weaknesses. 
And let's not get caught up in, you know, the usual PSG Champions League hype and just be the good side of Tuchel. There's, don't make excuses in January that you need players. Don't, you know, don't start with any of that nonsense. Just coach <laughs> yeah. the team you have, you know, be focused, keep the team focused at the next game, next match. and you should be okay. There isn't a team in the Champions League this year that scares me that much. Nobody's really blowing anybody out. There isn't a team that looks like it's completely 100% solid. It's PSG. We look 100% solid, at least in Champions League play. We haven't let a goal in. We beat Real Madrid 3-0. We've got Mbappe, Neymar. Mbappe scored a hat-trick against Bruges on the road. You know, like, we're that team that people should be scared of, and there's no one that's going to finish second that I am scared of. Quarterfinal minimum is what you need to reach. And I would say you need to advance past that if Tuchel wants to keep his job because other managers in the past have got there and they got fired. So he needs to reach semifinals. This is this is the best PSG team we've ever seen right now. Oh, yeah. It's, it's definitely one of the better ones. Definitely top three. I would say and, if just down the roster, every position. Okay, right back is a little weak, but Mounier, he's an international. I mean, this is the best team position by position. There's very few weak spots. If it doesn't work, it comes down to motivation, tactics, all that intangible stuff that falls on the manager. I just hope that in January we're looking at this team and going, okay, this is what Tuchel's doing. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure we had a lot, and I think you'll get that. It's just, again, it then comes down to if they get hit in the mouth, can they respond? Right. And you you wonder if you'll see Colin Dagba or Tilo Kerr or Abdu Diallo in those big matches. I think what Tuchel is going to learn from last year is that I would t- rather have a guy like Tomas Munier who has been in all of these big matches. I mean, the guy played in the World Cup semifinal, for Christ's sake. Right, yeah. Then maybe a guy like Dagba, who's maybe more talented, but, you know... He might shit his pants (laughs) in a big match. Or, you know, what what Emery got caught with, which is having to play Giovanni Lachelso at the six against Real Madrid and let him get even alive. Or, you know, when... Blanc played like five players out of position in a, in a game against Manchester City. Yeah. Like, I think he knows, and I think he's smart enough to realize that they have a good, solid 11 guys, I think, that they can put out there and that will, you, that won't, you know, that may, they may crap themselves, but you can't realistically expect them to crap themselves. Like, Tilo Kerr obviously became the weak link last year. And I'm not, I'm just not sure they're going to be able to play him unless he really shows like improvement. No, it's Mbappe, or I'm sorry, it's uh, Kimpembe and uh, Silva. That's your center back pairing. Yeah, no questions. It's, it's got to be them. And then yeah, so I think he pretty much knows what his lineup is going to look like at this point. Mm-hmm. So like that's where I'm not worried. Like they have an 11. They have like they have they have a good 13, 14 guys. Like. You have your starting 11, and then you have um, Ander Herrera, who will clearly come in in games. Uh, then Angel Di Maria will come in in games. And then, like, um, you'd have, I would guess at that point, you're looking at 
Um, I'm trying to think, who would you be looking at at that point? You'd be looking at probably Draxler or Sarabia. Yeah, yeah. So you got about 14, 15 guys that you can le- legitimately play in a Champions League match. Which and is I, not bad. Yeah. No, I think I think you're right. I think that's it's the best team. I said it. It's the best PSG team we've ever seen. Yeah. And now you just got to prove it on the field. You need a little bit of that swagger. You come out, you need to forget what happened pre- previous years. Yeah, PSG, but again, once again, know? I'm not asking for Tuchel to be fired, people. <laughs> that's not what I'm doing. I'm just, I think a year and a half in, you should cr- critically look at your manager and go, what are his strengths? What are his weaknesses? And it's fair. I mean, look at the shit show up in Arsenal right now with Unai Emery, where the, the, the team has backed him and the fans are yelling for him and to leave and he's they lost to Leicester. I mean, you don't want that situation. I don't think we're there yet, but if we lose round to 16, we get knocked out. We don't, I don't want to hear the club say, oh, we backed the manager. No. F that. He's got to go. You know what I mean? Like, this is a results-driven business. He's got to go. I'm sorry. I don't think you got to worry about that with PSG. I don't think that's what we will have to worry about. Yeah. All right. Well, let's let's put a pin in that one. Let's get out of here. We're, we're over an hour, but I do – we have a couple of Twitter questions, so I just want to make sure we get to those really, really quick. Sure. So this one came so. in. Eduardo Razo, he's a PSG Talk contributor, at underscore Eddie Razo. He wants to know – since Mark's been to Florida, and he said, Ed, I'm not sure you've been there. I've been to Florida. I was at Disney World recently, so, and it was the hottest Halloween on record. It sucked. But anyway, what type of sunscreen would you recommend for Cavani for his eventual move to Miami? I thought about this one, and I'm a big – I don't speak French, so pardon me if I butcher this, but La Roche-Posay, it's French. He's at, he's in Paris. Take that with him, a little piece of Paris going back with him. I don't think they got one of those like sprays, but he can just apply it. Keep the Miami sun off him. That's what I would say. You got a sunblock for him? Well, I'm surprised that Eddie is still sober after they fired Don Cherry. But um, <laughs> I, I would say that um, Beach Bum or, or just any normal, like, sunblock. What's the one with the – what's the – something stone? Uh, yeah. Okay. We <laughs> I got my joke in, so I'm good. You're good. All right, so this one comes from Xavier Ruiz. His handle is at Ruiz underscore Xavier underscore. He wants to know, which do you think is more important for PSG to develop into a powerhouse with consistency like peak Real Madrid and Barcelona? Is it a developed youth system or a transfer policy that splashed cash but splashes it right? That's a great question. You want to take this one? Those are two options. Those are the two options, but if you want to offer a third, go for it. No, that that success is not in the transfer policy. Like you can you can you can have whatever policy you want if it's not coached well and if it's not um, brought along through your system for years and years, it doesn't work. Liverpool is a perfect example of this. Liverpool always spent money, like mm-hmm. they always tried to get guys and. It only started working once they got Jurgen Klopp. And even some of the guys that they've signed have not been all winners. Like, they signed Nabi Keita, and they really haven't used him, like, at all. Or um, even, like, Jordan Shakiri, they use a little bit. But they don't even really use him that much. Like, I forgot about him. They got guys that can do it for them, but it's like, it's about the system. It's about getting a culture in place. And you don't do that through the 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 recruitment policy necessarily that can be an offshoot of a good well-run organization but it you can do it with you whatever system you have 
whatever way you you want to do things, you have to be able to stick with it, and you have to be able to you know not try to change it every year or two. Like there has yeah. to be like you have to have a team mentality or a team identity, and if you don't have that, then you're going to struggle no matter what your policy is. If I had to pick between those two, I think the quickest way is obviously that second one, although you can do it through the way Ajax did it. But even Ajax is in that transfer market mm-hmm. buying guys. Maybe at the at, not at the high end, but they're they're buying guys at that lower mid-level and they're anticipating that they're going to be stars and it usually pays off for them. Yeah, I mean, it also, if you're Liverpool, it helps if uh, uh, referees don't call two clear handballs in the box, but uh, that, that'll that make you successful. Oh, now, don't, don't, don't <laughs> get her about it. I've got, I've re- I'm resigned to the fate. I just block them all so I don't have to hear them. It's going to happen. Just... I, yeah, I, w- I would say, obviously, you have to spend money. This is PSG. This is QSI. They're going to bring in players. You need a marquee player like Mbappe Neymar. I think if you want to be consistent it helps to win like let's be honest no one really wants to no top player wants to live in liverpool i'm sorry but it's just not a destination i think many top players want to live in but when you win players want to go there like maybe mbappe wants to go there who knows but he doesn't really want to live in liverpool he just wants to be a part of that culture a part of that winning you know so i think more than anything if PSG can just get win a champions league win consistently then the play, players will want to come to us. Our academy will be better. We can sell them, get money, afford other players. I think that's what you do. You just you got to win with what you have now if you want to be consistent. It's like a lot of in college football. No one wants to go. No top player wants to go to. Let's just throw out a school, Tennessee. But maybe if they start winning consistently, then some of the five star recruits will want to start going there. Mm. So that's what I'm going to throw out there. Yeah. Uh, you, win, you win with culture. You win exactly. with style. You win with culture. Uh, someone said what happened to Marquinhos. I don't know if anything happened to him. That was, uh, at Christian C123. Did something, I don't know. No, not that I'm aware of. Okay. And then we'll get out of here with, uh, at PSG underscore Qatar HQ. And they want to know, starting 11 against Real Madrid, should Mbappe start or should he be substitute in the second half? I think a lot of that, I'll take it first. I think a lot of that depends on how he performs with France. If he's able to stay healthy and he comes back ready to go, then sure, I say start. Because as I wrote in a recent piece, the match against Real Madrid is the last chance to evaluate this team against top tier talent. You're not going to really get a whole lot playing Galatasaray in the last, you know, match day of the group stage when nothing really matters. The Real Madrid match is the last chance to evaluate this team, so I think you have to throw out your best players, see what you got, work out whatever it is you need to work out because you just got, you know, matches against Nantes and training to figure out what you're going to do in the knockout stage. So I say put out your best 11. That's Neymar, that's Mbappe, that's Icardi, that's Idrissa Gay, Marquinhos, Variety, Kempembe, Silva, Bernat, and Mounier if he's healthy, if not Dagba, and you put Navis in goal. That's your 11 for me. Do you do you differ on that? Um, part of me wants to, since I don't really think this game is all that important in the big scheme of things, although I think if they lose, people will be like, oh my God, they look terrible, this is the worst. But yeah. like, I almost selfishly want to see them play a 4-2-3-1 just to see like what they would do with all four of those attackers on the field at the same time. Maybe maybe do it against Galatasaray, which I think maybe you want to do it against Galatasaray just to see what would happen. Oh, you mean like throw Di Maria in there, maybe put Neymar in that center. 
Okay. Play a four two three one with um yeah, play a four two three one with Icardi up top. Neymar mm-hmm. in the middle, Mbappe off the left, Di Maria off the right, Guillem Verratti, Marquinhos Silva, uh, right back, um, Bernat. Just to see what the hell would happen. I would just really be interested to see what that would look like, like how that would eat, you know, just just out of morbid curiosity. I just got but, goosebumps thinking about how many goals we're going to score against Real well, Madrid. Or how many goals you're going to give up. <laughs> We got. We haven't given up a goal. We're gonna keep this record. What are you talking about? We're not. No well, one's gonna score. Three, us. If, with that. With that. With that lineup, we would give up at least three goals against Real Madrid. <laughs> but it would be fun to see if we could outscore them. But I think what they'll do against Real Madrid is they'll just do with what they usually do. I think you'll just see Neymar, Mbappe, Icardi, the usual. I think you'll get the the lineup you had last Champions League game, except substitute. Um, Neymar for Di Maria, and then Di Maria would come on for Neymar, or would come on for Acardi or whatever. So, so you're saying we should go like 2002 Sacramento Kings and just you know Chris Webber, Jason Williams just outscore people, play like no defense, or maybe like in like no, a, just, just in the Galatasaray match. Just I mean Real Madrid. No, not against Real Madrid. We get destroyed, but okay. against against um. Absolutely against Galatasaray. I would really like to see what that looked like. And I'm sure Tuchel is curious to what the hell that would look like, too. Yeah. All right. We got, we got one more question that just came in. Same uh, from at PSG underscore Qatar HQ. Just one name. No explanation because we're running long. We're going to get out of here. Give me one name. Who would you sell? Who would PSG sell in January? Kurzawa. If they could. Cavani. I'm saying Cavani. Get him out no. of here. Manchester United needs a player. Let's cash in on him. Get him out of here. He's taking up space. He's He can't get it done. Let's get him out. No more questions. Tuchel's tired of answering it. Manchester United is desperate. They'll pay for him. Let's sell him in January. Well, you're looking for the hot, you're looking for the hot take machine. You're doing the hot take machine. Today. Uh, I've got to get the views up. So, um, Thank you for listening to PSG Hot Take with uh, Ed and Mark. Um, that's all that I got. You can find us everywhere PSG talk um we're everywhere social media youtube or you know wherever you listen to podcasts download subscribe rate us comment all that good stuff mark how can people find you at mark damon one and you've been pushing a lot of buttons people say so go ahead and give mark a follow if you want your buttons pushed uh he's apparently been doing that a lot lately he's been called out here on twitter i'm just looking so uh mark go and and check your mentions and i'll let you go here so you can respond to that thank you for listening listening to the 1970 and we'll catch you next time bye